Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finances and where we furnish you with information so that you can make the best financial decisions possible. So if you want to be better with money, you want to purchase your first home, you want to learn about investing, where to begin, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further delay, let's get into this week's show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Conversation on Money podcast. It's Pete, your host. How are we all doing? It's been a little bit over a week since we last had uh, the updates from Boris and the easing of the lockdown. Very, very woolly, not very, very clear. Muddy water, some might call it. And um, I've been in lockdown now. If you've listened to some of the previous episodes for about 10 weeks, I'm on the high risk list. So I've still got another two weeks or so and hopefully I'm going to get some guidance as to what my life is going to be like. Can I go out? Can I continue with work? Can I take meetings? So on and so forth. But I think for all of us it's been one hell of adjustment. So whatever situation you find yourself in, I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're coping. I certainly know that I experienced cabin fever to start off with and it wasn't very pleasant. It took an adjustment to get to this point and I'm I'm chomping to the bit to try and get back to normality. And with that in mind, I wanted to continue the conversation that I had with Soraya last week because, as you guys know, she is a recruiter, a mental health blogger, and I wanted to lean on her expertise because, let's face it, as we try to get back to normal, business as usual, it is very, very likely that we're going to find ourselves in a situation where there are plenty of people vying for a small number of jobs. So this episode is all about how can you be best prepared? What can you do to give yourself a head start if you find yourself in the job market? This is what Soraya does every single day in her nine to five job and career. And so this week she has got a ton of tips and value to give you guys. And I'm so thankful that she stuck around to have this conversation with me. Welcome back, Soraya. Hi Pete, thanks for having me again. Really, really looking forward to this episode because there are so many things that people can do to make sure that they stand out and that they get the role over someone else, as well as you know, making themselves look attractive for the role. So I'm I'm really keen to get these points across because I think it will help a lot of people. Fantastic. So I'm just gonna jump right in and I just want to ask a very high-level question first and foremost, because okay. I'm I'm conscious that we're living in like this is 2020. This is like the new age. And yeah. I think when I look back at my parents, there was always a job for life. We're in mm. this we're in this world now where things move in a much more fast-paced manner that it doesn't feel as though a job for life actually exists anymore. It feels like a myth. Is that something that you would agree with as a recruiter or is that, or do you think that that's, that's not true anymore? I would say it depends on, very much depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. I have seen many, many people that are in jobs for 20 years plus, have started with very large companies and they have started like right down the bottom as an apprentice and then have then breached um, executive level. Mm-hmm. Um, a company known for that is actually IBM. They are, okay. are they are come across them all the time. Like people do not leave that company, but they do extremely well. They start mm. one, they work up, they don't really leave. However, I ultimately think you still can find success changing jobs because you can adapt your skills. You can, you know, you 
you can maneuver yourself. And another person who is a huge advocate of changing jobs is Gary V, who yeah, I'm sure is. a lot of people yeah. will know. Yeah. So very much depends on the individual. However, I do think success can be obtained through either of those paths. Yeah. I actually knew someone who um, she would make a point of actually switching jobs, maybe every three or four years, because yeah. it meant that when she moved jobs and she was very, very good at what she did anyway. So she often she would yeah. get approached. And when she get approached, she'd be like, no, I'm not really interested right now, but stay in touch. And, you know, we might be able to talk maybe in two, three years time. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, when it came back around in three, four years time, she would always vie for more money. Because she'll make out and say, well, actually, I'm quite happy here. So if you want me to leave where I am right now and come over to you, you've got to make it worth my my while. And she used yeah. that as a mechanism to increase her earning potential through the various places that she went to. But I have to say, she was very, very good at her job. Yeah. I think that especially when people go after you for the role, you haven't sought them out, that gives you more leverage. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it gives you way more leverage in terms of being able to get that salary increase. And that leads very, very nicely onto the next one, which is how is the, what is the best way of going about negotiating a pay rise and being paid what you're worth? Because this can be a really, really tricky topic, as in, you know that you've performed really, really well, but you've got to go yeah. forward to your boss and say, look, I want more money. And a lot of people aren't very good at being assertive and asking for what they want. So what how, what's the best way to go around this this is a really funny situation because i can talk about this pre coronavirus and i can talk talk about this coronavirus okay yeah now yeah so i think it is very important for people to know their industry what is the industry standard whatever role that you're in what is the industry standard for that if you're in a sector what is the industry standard for your sector what is your company stance on salary as well. Do they have a set salary for everyone across the board? Do you know how to obtain that? What do you need to do in order to get that salary rise? And that is something that you need to ask. That is something that I've done. I, I've gone into my, my quarterly business reviews and I've said, I would like a pay rise. I feel that I'm very good at my job. What do I need to do to mm. get my pay rise? They will, or they should, they should say, you know, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to achieve, which is then when an individual should turn around and say, well, can you help me to plan that? How can I achieve that? What do I need to be doing in order to obtain that salary increase? Quarterly business meetings. So you have three months, essentially, or a year, depend, depend, it depends on your position and how long you want to give yourself. Mm-hmm. But I'd say mm-hmm. three to 12 months, you go away, you smash the targets, you go back to your quarterly business review and you say, this is what I've done. You've told me to do this. I've hit the target. I'm entitled to a pay rise. Yeah. That is in essence yeah. how it should be done. Yeah. However, Corona is here. So... <laughs> <sighs> Corona's just messed my stuff up. I'll put it to you like that. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I had done this at my last quarterly business review. I've had a couple of my colleagues put a request in. I am, well, was very, very, very on track for that. It, it wasn't a secret, you know. Mm-hmm. I think a part of me owning who I am with being a recruiter and going through what I have with mental health 
I, I'm confident in who I am and I have no issue in telling people what my why is mm-hmm. in my role. So because of that, I've said, right, my, my objective is money because I want to save, I want to move out, and I want to go on holiday. Those are my three objectives. Mm-hmm. This is what I need to make in order to get there. How can I do that? So I know in my head instantly I need X amount of placements in order to achieve this. And after tax, it's going to be this. And this is what I need to do in order to constitute a salary, a salary increase. However, because I'm in recruitment and everything has changed now, and you've got to think about it like this. How positive is your business? Is is your business's cash flow right now? Can they actually afford to give you a pay rise? So I think this is one thing that people actually need to bear in mind at the moment. It's really not going to be the best time to ask for a pay rise. I'm going to be honest with you. You might actually, you might deserve it. And do you know what? You might still be on track with it. But if your company is just furloughed about 50 people, you walking in right now to a quarterly business review or to any review and, and, and saying to your boss, well, I want my pay rise, they're going to laugh at you. And you yeah. can threaten to go somewhere else. But the likelihood is, is that, probably not going to get a job like right now, not within the next four weeks, not within maybe like the next four to eight weeks, depending on your industry. So I think, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. And I think everyone right now needs to be very strategic. <laughs> that is that is <laughs> definitely my recommendation. Be strategic, especially, um, you know, if, if, if you're having a salary cut, you're not getting commissions. If you're not getting bonus, that means there's cash flow problem. So be strategic in your planning, be strategic in how you vocalize what you want and just bide your time, just wait for things to turn around because you could get it, but, you know, being a bit, um, what's the word, boisterous, it's not going to do you any favors. Mm. So you made a couple of really good points there that I wanted to kind of just go back on because you mentioned there that it's important for you to kind of understand what the company's stance is in terms of what their yeah. pay policy is, I guess, is what you yeah. were trying to explain there. How easy is it to access that information and how forthright are employers in providing that information? Because that can be a really tricky, tricky subject to approach. There's a company called Glassdoor, which has every, pretty much every company in the world on, and they actually span globally. You can type in your company, um, your company's name, and you can see how much they pay everyone depending on their job title, and it gives, okay. you, it gives you an average of what people are being paid in that company. And it also, it will also show you reviews as well. <laughs> Sometimes people can be quite salty. It depends on how they left. <laughs> yeah, but it's a really good tool. It's a, it's a it's a very good tool to use if you're looking to move jobs to a company that you're not too sure about, and you can see how much they pay people. So that's actually one way to find out. So you can look on Glassdoor. You can ask your line manager or you can ask one of your friends. But then you've got to deal with the consequences. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And the other thing that you mentioned there was, you know, if you if you go into your quarterly meeting and yeah. the criteria is you need to do X, Y, Z in order to get a pay rise. Yeah. You're asking the question, asking them to tell you what you need to do. Yeah. How much of that needs to also be put back on them in terms of, well, I'm going to go away and do this. If I do, are you agreeing unequivocally to give me a pay rise? Or are there any other 
circumstances where this might not apply? Does the pressure or that accountability go both ways? Definitely, but nothing's promised. Mm. That's that's the only problem when it comes to money and, and salaries. Nothing is nothing is promised. How what I what I would suggest is if you are looking for a salary increase, you go in, you say, what do I need to do? You come up with a plan, you say, right, this is what I'm gonna achieve, but I need you to do this for me. So ask them to hold you accountable, but you're also asking them to be accountable mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. to help you along that way I think if you can go in come out with a plan and and reach that in essence there shouldn't be any reason why they would turn around and say no don't get me wrong there are definitely some mitigating circumstances you know we've got certain different types of like gender gaps racial gaps all of these kinds of Mm -hmm. things yeah which happens like we have to we have to be really honest like I can't can't sugarcoat things to an extent because you have to be very aware in this world that for some reason people are paid different mm-hmm. you can be just as skilled as the next person but doesn't necessarily mean that you're always going to get paid the same yeah unfortunately unless there are cash flow problems within that business if you've agreed a target they should they should pay you that if it comes to that and you don't get that money you you have you have a decision to make. You do. You, you have a decision to make. And if you don't get that money, why? And it's a it's a very direct question that should be met with a very direct answer. answer. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not getting a direct answer back, then yeah. that is when you need to consider your position within that company. Because if you're going out of your way to hit targets, which is probably making the business more money, you have to consider your position. Do you want to stay? Do you want to go? You need to be able to handle that, that that situation and just find out why. Like, why yeah. are they not paying you? Why are you yeah. not getting your salary, guys? Yeah, I always say that these relationships are always a two-way thing. You know, yeah. particularly if you have an employer where you are making sales and those mm-hmm. sales do translate to profit for that business, you should be rewarded for that. And a lot of people will get rewarded via bonuses, via commissions. But if you yeah. have a personal development plan in place and part of that plan is well if you achieve x we were going to do this in exchange then you're forming a bonding contract it, it is well i wouldn't say binding contract but you you have an element of trust involved in that discussion and mm. if one person breaks that that trust then you have to then ask the question and say well if I've done what I said I was going to do, I've kept my part of the bargain and you haven't, if there aren't any real tangible reasons for it, and there could be reasons like cash flow, cash flow, that is a real legitimate reason. There may be other reasons, change of management, all kinds of things. If there isn't a legitimate reason, then I I agree with you. You probably do need to have a look at reevaluating your position and where you want to go, whether you're going to stay, whether you do move elsewhere and plan ahead of time. So yeah, Yeah. I think yeah, you're, you're spot on with that one there. And this kind of leads me on to where we are right now. I mean, because to be honest, not a lot of people are going to be looking at pay rises right now. I think the biggest worry for a lot of people will be just keeping hold of their jobs. And yeah. if they do get back from furlough, the next worry is going to be, well, 
am I going to be made redundant in the next two, three months because the business have taken a hit in terms of productivity? Mm. And what impact does that actually have? So given the fact that there may be a huge influx of people in the job market, what are some of the best ways that people can stand out when you look at interviews and, and just creating an attractive CV? What are some of the types yeah. of tips you can give? Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna backtrack um about people looking for jobs. Now may not be the best time to look for jobs, but there are definitely jobs available out there in industries right now. And I would advise anyone, if you have to look for another role, or if you really want to, or if you know that your industry has a demand, if you speak to another company, you actually need to ask them when was the last time they made redundancies? Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. At risk is the part of the business that you're going into. What kind of pressure are you going to be under to perform? How long do you have to perform? And what are going to be the consequences of you not performing? Mm -hmm. Because essentially, you could be in a really safe job right now where you don't have to go. And something right now more attractive could come up. But if you're going to another company that isn't actually that safe, you, you really need to find out, you know, is this going to be the best move for you because I, I don't necessarily want people to think right now that they can't move jobs because there is definitely some sectors like right now the pharmaceutical industry is, is absolutely crying out for people yeah so there, there are definitely opportunities out there I just think people need to be um safe smart and they need to ask the, the best questions possible to make sure that they are stepping into a secure position um, for themselves. You made a really good point there, actually, because the amount of times that people may get like approached, oh, there's a new job. Would you like to? And I get this all the time. Recruitment agents on LinkedIn. Oh, we've got yeah. new opportunities. Do you want to have a conversation? And it's like, well, it's not just about money. You could go into another job that is going to offer you ten thousand yeah. pounds extra. But you're right. Yeah. How much of that flesh do they want for that ten thousand pounds extra? You might be in yeah. a place that only wants a quarter pound of flesh. You might get over there and they want two pounds of flesh. And all of a sudden you're going from pretty good, pretty comfortable, pretty easy. You're not under any pressure at all to high pressure. Yeah. Huge stress because you've accepted an offer that's going to give you 10,000 pounds extra. So I think that's a really, really good point that to be fair, I, I think about it sometimes when I get approached, but at the same time, it's not something that, immediately occurs to you because unfortunately when someone's saying well i'm going to give you ten thousand pounds or fifteen thousand pounds extra it's very easy to see the money first and foremost and obviously they're going to make the job to seem as attractive as possible and again if you don't ask the right questions you don't know what worms are lying under the, the wooden floors recruiters lie like i'll tell you now like <laughs> some recruiters will lie to you and tell you anything that you want to hear mm-hmm. to get you um to, to get you on board and what they also do, this is another trick that recruiters will do. They have to um, gain GDPR consent to retain your details and also send your details yeah, yeah, now sure, yeah. to other companies. So what you want to do is you want to ask how long they've had that role. Have they had that role for a month? Have they had that role for a few days? Have they had, you need to know how how important that job is to them and how important that requirement is mm-hmm. to that client. Because if it's something that they've had a month, it might not actually be a requirement. Now, um, I made sure um, 
that I had a job update from our client to make sure that anyone that I'm speaking to now, I was speaking to them about requirements that were um, given after Corona. So these are requirements that I've had maybe for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. So they're fresh. You don't want you don't want old requirements, and you want to be careful as well about exclusivity, because as soon as you give exclusivity to a recruiter, they have exclusivity for you. But it depends on the client. Sometimes it's six months. Sometimes it's a year. So once that recruiter has sent your CV to a company, you cannot be represented by another recruiter. What will happen is, is that um, we, we've had candidates, right, that have um, applied for a job with us, but like four months before that, they were with like another recruiter. Mm. It, it's happened the other way around as well. And sometimes they don't, they don't tell you. People forget, but sometimes they don't tell you. So you could get a candidate that goes all the way through the process, gets to offer, and then another company will be like, actually, we have rights and we're taking the fee. And you and, and that and that recruiter, they've not spoken to you for months. They haven't even done anything, they don't know anything about you. And all of a sudden they're just gonna jump in and take over your job. And it doesn't always do well with the company. Like it's actually quite annoying. Like when people are misrepresented. It can leave a bad taste in 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 companies' mouths. So you should always make sure that you're represented by one person. So let me ask you this then. So I get a lot of LinkedIn messages, right? Tons of them, like you, so every single day. Do you know what you need to do? You need to put in your your, your LinkedIn profile. Do not. You need to put in capitals as well because people look at your profile like mm. in recruiter. Do not contact me. I am not open to these jobs. And it will stop recruiters contacting you. I have to okay. tell recruiters all the time. So if you do that, they won't contact you. Because <laughs> on a number of occasions, and I've, I'm interested to know how they word that that exclusivity piece. Because I've had conversations with people, and there's a guy in Birmingham actually. Um, yeah. I won't mention his name. Um, he goes, you know, um, you know, uh, why don't you work with us? Um, we're confident we can get you a, a position in in whatever it is that you're looking for. At no point do they actually explain that by the way this is an exclusive agreement which means Mm -hmm. that if you go to another agency and they put you forward for a job in this company then we are entitled to the commission that you're that that well that they'll be eligible for because we are now you they don't explain it in that way because you saying it's exclusivity in that in that sense Mm -hmm. is actually you should be told that surely right yeah, but don't like it's, it's, it's to be completely honest with you. I always explain to people I'm going to send you over a GDPR notice so you're happy for us to retain your details and send it across to the client. If that person doesn't get the job role with the client, okay, fair enough. But I always say to people, Have you been sent to this client in the last six months? Because that's mm-hmm. something that. I need to know. Isn't really and truly GDPR is something that people should really pay attention to. And if they don't send that to you in writing on email about the exclusivity, they don't have a leg to stand on. You need you need written proof. Okay. Do you think there's merit in just working with one recruiter? 
Um, I would say work with three. Okay. Three max. Work with three max. Um, keep a note of who you're going to company-wise because some recruiters work the same job, so you need to say to the recruiter, okay, so I've been sent to this company already. No, I haven't been sent to that company. You need to be mindful of the stages that you're in. But if you are actively looking for a job, work with three recruiters. Any more than that is too much. Okay. Too much, too much Perfect. And what about the interview sort of like uh, tips for people? You know, rocking up to, to a new opportunity, what are the do's and the don'ts? I know this is a very, very basic question that people really should know, but often people don't know and, and, and things do change and things do progress. And, you know, we're living in a different age to what it was 10, yeah. 15 years ago. So what are the do's and don'ts that, that come to the top of your top of your mind? Research the company. You, <laughs> you would think that that's a basic requirement that everyone would do, but they don't. The amount of people that have walked in to a job interview and they have, they don't even they don't even know the company values. Like write it down on a bit of paper. Like I I'm not joking you for all of my jobs. Right, I bring in a notebook right here, a basic notebook. I go through the company website. I go through the LinkedIn. I research that company. I make sure I know how the company's formed how it's changed over the last few years, what acquisitions have they taken on, do they have a board of directors, how many sectors have they got, I'll make sure I write down. <laughs> I've got everything, I've got everything there. Mm-hmm. Because you need to know the type of company that you're walking into and they probably will ask you. And yeah, the, the first question I've asked a lot of interviews, so what can you tell us about the company? What, mm-hmm. what do you know? And if you fall at that company, they're just going to be like, do you even know what you've applied for? Yeah. Do you know why you're here? Yeah. So the first point of call, research the company. Um, Have questions prepared. Have some questions prepared. You need to ask, you know, you need to ask them questions about the company. I mean, to be honest, you should kind of have questions anyway. If it's a job that you're really interested in, you should have questions prepared, especially now with Corona. You know, you should really have some questions prepared about your position about what the expectations are of the role, any benefits that you get, important part as well. I think a lot of people value um, benefits, what the rewards are, you know, how are you going to be compensated for good work, holiday bonuses, do they increase over time? Those are just things that I've popped up over my head. That, 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 they're just generic questions. Yeah. But I would definitely say ask questions about the role. Um, don't ask what time you finish. Never <laughs> ask that question. Don't ever ask that question in an interview. Ask that question to the person in HR when they first speak to you about the role. Just say, oh, what, what, are, the, what are the starting times? Is there any parking? Be really blasé about it. Mm-hmm. Don't ever walk into a face-to-face interview and say, what time do we start? What time do we finish? Because they will not look at you ever again. Mm-hmm. So anyone, don't ask that. I've lost so many people on the interviews because they've done that. So that was when I was doing graduate recruitment because, you know, sometimes with, with, you know, younger people, they want to make sure sure that they're finishing sometimes bang on the dot. Mm -hmm. So I've said to them, you can't finish bang on the dot. Don't ask that question. Like, it's not something that you do. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
please make sure that CVs are two pages, three at the max. You have about one to two minutes maximum, sometimes 30 seconds to impress a recruiter. Making your CV 10 pages long, they will just chuck it to the side. Unless you are going for a technical role, you could be like, I don't know, a developer or some type of IT technology, like a complex role where you will need to give a project management list. That is the only time your CV needs to be long. Your CV only needs to be an overview of what you've done because it needs to pique their interest. They will ask you questions on the phone. They will be writing down notes. You really don't need to give your life story. Would you say that the layout of the CV matters in terms of... So what what's what do you find works best in terms of you send something to a client and yeah. a, a layout works well? Yeah. Um, so I would say, depending on the type of role that you're going for, attach a cover letter. But make sure that cover letter is personal to the type of role that you're going for. Don't send a generic cover letter. Cover letters are meant for specific roles only. At the top of your CV should be a personal profile on, you know, who you are, your skills. It doesn't need to be, okay, well, I'm into swimming. No one wants to hear about that. That goes mm-hmm. at the bottom. You, you need to tell people about your, your skills and your capabilities and how long you've been in the industry for. It doesn't need to be long. You can do it in bullet points. You can do it about, uh, about four or five lines. It doesn't need to be anything, anything too great. Make sure that your most recent role is at the top. A lot of people do this backwards. They put their first, they put their first ever job right at the top. It, it saves a lot of time. If you've been in a role for three years and um, you're, you've got all the key skills that I want, I'm probably just going to look at that, like, right, okay, you can do it. Flick, flick, done. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to go through a page and a half just to see your most recent role. Education, some people focus a lot on, 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 on school, GCSEs, A-levels. I mean, if you're in school about 12 years ago, it's not really that important. Like, if you need a degree, put the degree on there, but I don't really care what you've done at GCSE. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not that's not, like, majorly important. Um, you can put hobbies on there. That, that is something, you know, you, you, you can put. But yeah, a CV is is important to outline who you are. But these days, personality accounts for a lot. Like a lot of things can be taught. If I'm honest with you, I have had people that have been perfect on paper for jobs, absolutely perfect. Didn't like personality. Didn't get a job. Didn't get awarded for a second interview. So personality speaks. Being likable matters, and you need to remember that not every environment is going to be for you. I got turned down for a recruitment job once, not because I couldn't do the role, but because I'm loud. Like the guy said to me, um, and, and it wasn't it wasn't a racial thing either because I'm a black person. The, the guy, he was he was black himself. I walked into the office and it was quiet. This is quiet for recruitment officers. They're normally like really loud. There was no music. You could hear a pin drop. And he was like, I think you're fantastic. But I can tell that, you know, you like to have a bit of banter. You like to talk to people. He's like that. That's not this kind of office. He's like, you're going to get bored here. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And I went to a place where, you know, it did suit me more. It did suit my personality and I did enjoy it more. And that was the best thing. So 
don't get too disheartened. You know, if someone doesn't, if someone says to you, you're not quite the right fit, sometimes recruiters don't know how to tell you that your personality doesn't match the office. Honest to God, they have a really hard time mm. saying that. Because I think they're afraid that people are going to take it offensively. So, um, yeah, sometimes that is literally just what it is. Sometimes you're just not, you know, a personality match. But like I said, personality accounts for a lot. So just don't write an essay, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, I, those are really, really, really good tips. And yeah, I think some of them are quite obvious to a certain extent. If you've been around in the game long enough, though, I mean, if you're if you are coming out of university, then these things might not necessarily be at the top of your agenda. And even if you have been in the game for a long period of time we, and you've not interviewed for a very long time, you've been in a role uh, for a bit of time. This kind of stuff mm. is always kind of a nice refresher almost um, for you. And I guess with the world changing, these kind of things are very, very important because I think you're right. People do buy, buy people. And the amount of times that I've certainly been in businesses where a new person starts and you're like, really? Like, mm. like, where's the fit? And then you see them assimilate into the team and you're like, I get it now. I get why. Yeah. I get why this person's here because they change the dynamic of a team. And that is really, really important, being around in a company or around a team of people that make you better or push you to strive even further. From a business point of view, that's a very, very important factor to, to have. Yeah, because when you know you're you actually spend more time with your work colleagues than you do with your family and friends in essence. Mm. So you want to make sure that you do get along with them because it is going to impact heavily on you as an individual. It's going to impact on your mental health. It's going to impact on so many things. So yeah, you do definitely want to make sure that, you know, it is a good environmental fit, culture fit, mm -hmm. as the term goes. It is, it is really, really important. Um, make sure contact details are right on CV. This is one thing that people don't do. Honestly, people's contact details are wrong. Really? Well, yeah. Honestly, I have gone to call people and there's a digit short on their mobile number or like the email address bounces back. Oh, wow. Um, there are some job uh, websites like Indeed and a lot of people don't know this. So for anyone right now who has recently applied to a job on Indeed, Indeed create an Indeed email for you. So if you're sat there right now wondering why you haven't had any job replies back from Indeed, is because you actually need to log in to Indeed and log into your inbox on there because that is where all of the job replies go. And there are so many people that don't know this. Oh my God. I didn't know that. So, yeah. so even though you upload your CV to, to Indeed and you apply for a job via Indeed and your, your email address is on the CV that goes to the client, they intercept your email and sit it in a portal in your account so you have to log in to actually see the responses from the people that you've applied for a job. Unless that recruiter, like, picks up your email, because sometimes um, people's emails aren't on their CV. Like, right. for some strange reason, like, all of their contact details might not be on there because they might have to take them off because So of they the... put in a default one, yeah. Yeah, they put in a default email and some people are like, oh, well, why have I not got the job? And it's like, it's not that you haven't, it's just that you don't know where to look. So right. the amount of people that I've spoken to, because their mobile number's been on there. So if I've emailed them, they haven't got it, but their mobile number's there. And I'm like, oh, just like, just so you know, 
you've come through indeed and the reason why you haven't seen anything is because they've created a set, whole separate email address for you mm-hmm. that they never turn anyone out it's pretty annoying but yeah I always find that that is <laughs> that is a big shock to people like mm. then they come back to me and say to me oh my gosh I've just found a load of replies from months and months and months yeah it happens I want to talk a little bit about postgraduates and coming out of university you've done a degree a lot of these guys and girls are keen to get into the industry for which they studied their 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 degree for a lot of them find it very very difficult what advice would you give those guys because i think in a lot of sectors well you have to then work and you know do some work experience and that's that whole conundrum mm. of, well you've you've got a degree but you've not got the experience and what advice would you give give people in that position Something that is becoming really popular right now in the recruitment industry are assessment centre interviews, which is the type of recruitment that I done in um, when I done graduate. And mm-hmm. what assessment centres do, they give you the opportunity to showcase your personality as well as your as well as your skill, mm-hmm. which is 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 really important because again, you know, you don't want to be overlooked because you don't have the experience because you could be more than capable Mm -hmm. so my first thing would be find an assessment center recruitment agency type in graduate recruitment so many recruitment companies are doing this now rather than taking the traditional route of just forwarding cv straight to companies i Mm -hmm. think more companies are realizing now that this is not the way forward judging people based on cvs you need to see people for who they are, not necessarily what they've done. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, get through to an assessment centre. It's not going to hurt to send your CV and it's not going to hurt to showcase your profile mm. by applying directly. But I think at the minute, that is a very good way to, you know, show who you are by going through to these people. But what you'll also find is, is that a lot of companies now directly are also doing this themselves. Okay. So yeah. yeah, a lot of companies are now doing assessment centers themselves. So, you know, it, it's competency based. So what they'll do is you'll go in, you'll do a task. So you do like an elevator pitch. So mm-hmm. we'll get you to go in. You have to do an elevator pitch for one. Then they might, if you're doing a sales job, they'll say, sell me this book. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to sell them, got to sell them the book. What other ones are there? Then there's going to be teamwork ones where you have to work collectively in a team to come up with like a really creative idea for the business. And do you know what? I'm pretty sure that sometimes when people do this, companies take ideas. I'm so sure it happens. <laughs> you get all these great kids that come in and they create ideas. I'm, I'm telling you now, I'm so I'm so sure that they've done this. <laughs> I'm sure they've done like, well. a new concept like that's being done that hasn't been released yet. Again, depends on on some roles. They might have like a maths test because, like, you you might need maths for a role like that can mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, they're all competency based. So I would say you know if you're going for a sales role, brush up on your sales skills. Um, an elevator pitch. Know how to talk about yourself because it's really hard. <laughs> a lot of people don't know how to talk about themselves. Like, tell me about yourself. Can you summarize yourself in two minutes? Practice this talking to your phone. I don't know. Do it where, like, you could be in the gym, at home, walking somewhere. Practice summarizing who you are, 
what you're about, get confident at it. Just do it over and over and over again because there are going to be so many different points in your life where you need to do an elevator pitch, whether that's your first job, your first career, your first business, your first investor pitch, you will need an elevator pitch. Very useful. Yeah. And I was always um, sort of told that the language that you use when you're going for for jobs is really important as well. That sometimes, yes. you know, when you talk about your achievements, that you should talk about it as, as in you did that. People often make the mistake of using we in opposed to this is what I did in this yes. situation. And I think I always found that, very, again, talking about myself, I don't like it. I I, I try to stay away from it as much as possible. I had to learn how to do that for interview purposes because mm. it is all about showcasing your skills, your how you're going to add value to the business, how you can be successful, how, and again, because it is a two-way street, what you expect from them as well. You have to be very, very clear on that. I would say be confident with it. You are in that position, in that interview, because they like you. They want to see what you can do. Just want to touch on another point. If you are going for another role um, that has like sales targets, sales requirements, make sure you bring all of your achievements with you to that interview. So you can say to them, okay, this is what I achieved in Q1. This is what I achieved in Q2. These are my sales figures. This is what I'm capable of. They're black and white in the interview. They can see it straight away without you having to really off the top of your head is that the kind of stuff you would recommend to be on a cv if you are in a sales industry or in a sales role that can help but sales people lie so <laughs> yeah, like, <very> true. <laughs> sometimes it helps sometimes it doesn't it just depends on the situation and it depends how they come across i feel like the recruiters are sometimes when people read your cvs they're very intuitive so you can just tell how someone comes across and you can also tell when someone's on the on the phone. When you're in that interview, it's a completely different stage. You are there now. And if you lie now in this interview and tell them about what you've achieved, and that's a lie, if you get that job based on lies, they're going to know you very fast. Of course, yeah. It's one thing to lie to a recruiter about it, but it's another thing to lie to your future boss. Mm-hmm. Big difference. So you can you know, subtly boost yourself up to a recruiter. You know, a lot of people do it. But if you're in that interview and you lie about your your figures, your money, whatever you're doing, you are going to be on the back foot from the get-go. Like, literally, as soon as they suss that you were lying, no go. Absolutely no go. It's all about relationship with trust, isn't it? So start off with a lie, then you've got nothing to build the rest of the relationship on. Exactly, exactly that. Um, oh, I would just like to also mention, because I feel like this is very um, applicable to um, graduates in particular, please be careful of your social media because people check it. I, I want to say that doesn't happen, but it does. People will look at your Facebook profile. They will find your Instagram because people, because people attach their phone numbers to absolutely everything, it's so easily trackable. You can find, honestly, you can find absolutely anything about people with their phone numbers. If you don't want to be found on your social media, 
take, you need to de-link your telephone number from your profiles or make sure that you cannot be searched. Instagram has a feature where you can go on and check the contacts on your phone. You can make yourself unsearchable. You can also do that with Facebook as well. People, you know, they want to have a look at you. They want to find out what you look like, what you're into. It's a good way of finding out about your personality. So if you're going for a job, just, you know, not saying you have to be, you know, rated you, but make sure, you know, you, you make sure you look like you can be professional. Mm-hmm. Don't want to be doing anything silly on your social media. Set up a LinkedIn profile as well that's also something that you know is very advisable and make sure that people can send you emails because if you're open to opportunity but I can't click on that send email button how am I going to tell you about a job I'm just going to move on to the next person so in probably the last question of of this conversation people often find themselves working in in a career and we've discussed about right okay so how last week how do Mm. you if you're in a situation where you've got work stress, all that kind of stuff, you're not being rewarded, you're not being paid what you feel you should be paid. How do you yeah. know when it's the right time to move on to pastures new, to something brand new? I would say you need to know what your objectives are for now and for the future. Where do you see yourself? Is your current job going to help you get there? Can you, if, I mean, if you want a certain role that's not available in your company and you know that you have the skills for it, but that workplace can't give you that role, then, then yes, you know, you need to look at moving on. I think it's all about um, personal satisfaction as well. How do you feel when you leave? At the end of the day, do you feel like you're satisfied, you know, yourself, your company? Have you achieved what you've, set out to achieve are you happy like money aside are you actually happy does that company make you happy if it doesn't make you happy can you stay there long enough to get what you need and go I think it really depends on you know the individual sports like I said before you know not all money is 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 good money I have this this saying of if you're not happy how you're making the money then you're never really going to feel satisfied in a job your time there is always going to be limited always you're never going to stay there you won't you you won't stay there so I think ultimately it is down to the individual but you need to like know your goals know your motivation and just you know really understand why you're in that position now and if you can't be offered it, like I said, in your current place of work, look elsewhere. But it is, it's, 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 such an, it's such an individual thing, but it's all about fulfillment. Fulfillment is the word, for sure. Fantastic. Thank you for that. So I guess, really, look, it's been great having you on for the last, well, this is the second week now. Um, yeah. And again, you've really given some gems. I, I, it's particularly here because I think it will help a lot of people who are going to be in the situation where, you know, they're thinking about career, they're thinking about progression, they're thinking about, okay, maybe I want to move on, I want to get a new job, or I'm going for interviews, what do I need to do? And this is a very nervous time. You know, COVID aside, just going for an interview can be very, very nerve-wracking for a lot of people. So it's very, very easy to 
forget that you need to do research and forget that you need to have, you know, your, your achievements all lined up if you're going into a sales role, that it, these things are gems. And I've actually learned a few things as well, um, having a chat with you today. And uh, yeah, I, I think I definitely have a few people that I need to um, put a note on my LinkedIn saying, do not contact me because it gets a lot <laughs> sometimes. It's like, dude, come on. <laughs> so, uh, if not, hit the block button. If they don't, if they keep contacting, you just block them. <laughs> The thing is, what they tend to do is, and I and, and I do this as well, so I can't even mm. blame them as it's being a wrong tactic, but they will send me a request to, to link. And the minute I say yes, like literally probably within a half hour, an hour, there's an email and I'm just like, oh, dude. Like, So I'm like, why do I keep accepting these requests all the time? And I, I, I need to bounce them more. I've probably got about 10 or so waiting for me on LinkedIn at the minute that I've just ignored over the last two weeks. But yeah, interesting. I understand your plight. I mean, sometimes I am one of those recruiters, but um, you can redirect your notifications as well. So you don't get um, notifications from direct messages that you can, you can turn them, you, you, yeah, you can turn them off. But uh, recruiters can be annoying. I'll just be honest with you. I'll be lying <laughs> if I said I wasn't annoying myself. There are probably people out there right now probably could say the same thing about me. Oh, you always message me. Yeah, <laughs> it comes with the territory, but um, yeah, I would definitely say I, I am very mindful though of people who, if if it's in someone's profile that they don't want a particular job or if they don't want to be contacted by recruiters, out of respect, I just won't do it because I'm not going to get anywhere with them unless you're asking for a referral. That's yeah. different. You're just going to annoy them. So yeah. yeah, and I appreciate actually that you've been very very. Um forthright and honest actually in some of the admissions that you've made here so um yeah i appreciate that as well that's not gonna hate me (laughs) you've added some serious value i appreciate it look i appreciate you coming on really really do um guys that has been another episode i hope that you found this i'm sure that you found this valuable and i would love to hear some feedback um, and your thoughts on this if you want um back we'll bring her back for another one um but guys again sorry please tell them where they can find you so you can find me at Saraya Stewart on Instagram. So that is S-O-R-A-Y-A-S-T-U-A-R-T, both on Instagram and on YouTube. And if anyone wants any career advice, more than happy to exist to assist. Thank you again for having me on. Like honestly, I'm so happy to be able to provide this information to people and really hope that you know anyone who needs this help can hear it. And yeah, I just feel like it's a wonderful information. Thank you. No, I really do appreciate you for an absolute star. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, you know where to find me if you have any questions. Conversation of Money on Instagram. There is the YouTube uh, channel as well, at Conversation of Money. That's all one word. Otherwise, you will not find it. Um, I post there on a weekly basis. But you know, this is where we get into real conversations, where we really try to add value. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate your engagement, your feedback. You guys are awesome. Have an amazing week. I'll catch you next time.